inside in the brig. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 319, entitled The Brig. This is the 68th hour of the series, and there are 53 to go. First, a quick programming note. In next week's episode, I will be sharing some important news about the podcast, so something to look forward to. Certainly an appropriate and uh, well-timed announcement. Anyhow, with that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for this absolutely fantastic episode. In flashbacks, we see the past eight days from Locke's perspective. Locke asks Ben and Tom why his father, Anthony Cooper, is on the island. As they leave, Ben invites Locke to join them as they prepare to abandon their living quarters, and Locke accepts. A few days later, Locke and the rest of the others set up camp in a clearing in the middle of the jungle. As Locke helps Cindy Chandler put up her tent, she tells him that the others are excited that he's here with them. Ben summons Locke that night and tells him he must kill Cooper in order to become one of them. The others have gathered to watch, but Locke is unable to kill Cooper, despite his father's contemptuous taunting of him. The next morning, while Locke is on a hillside overlooking the camp, Richard Alpert joins him. He explains that Ben knew he wouldn't be able to kill Cooper and wanted to embarrass him. He tells him someone might be able to do it for him and gives him a file on Sawyer. The next day, Locke wakes to find the others have packed and are ready to move on. Ben tells him they will leave a trail for him, but that he must stay behind with Cooper and, quote, clean up his mess. If he doesn't bring his father's body with him, then not to bother following Continuing with the current day story on the island, after a quick conversation with Hurley and Jin, Sawyer heads into the jungle, where he is confronted by Locke. Locke tells him he has infiltrated the other's camp and has taken their leader, Ben Linus, hostage and needs Sawyer to kill him. Sawyer questions why Locke would come to him, and Locke explains that, thanks to the files the others have on all of the Flight 815 survivors, he knows that Sawyer killed a man in Sydney. Locke turns and leaves and Sawyer reluctantly follows, barefooted. Back at camp, Charlie encounters Jack, where he goes into the kitchen to collect food for Naomi, whose presence in the camp remains unknown to all except Charlie, Hurley, Jin, and Desmond. Charlie explains that the camping trip with Desmond and Hurley and Jin was male bonding. Back in the tent, Jin gives Naomi the food, while Desmond questions whether Jack's loyalties lie with the survivors or with the others, namely Juliet. Because Naomi still needs medical attention, the four men decide to let Saeed in on their secret. Back in the jungle, Locke and Sawyer are trekking, and Locke leads Sawyer to the Black Rock, the derelict slave ship, taking him inside to the brig where a man, presumably Ben, sits chained, gagged, and hooded. Locke locks Sawyer in the brig with the prisoner. 
On the beach, Saeed tells Charlie he admires his decision not to tell Jack about Naomi. Saeed questions Naomi. She explains that Penny Widmore hired her to search for Desmond, though she has not met her. She also repeats the wreckage of Flight 815 was found four miles underwater, and all passengers on board were dead. While searching for Desmond, she received coordinates which took her to the middle of the ocean. However, she found the island, and her helicopter lost power as she managed to jettison. Saeed doubts her story and asks for the whereabouts of her helicopter. Naomi, apparently offended, shows Saeed her satellite phone and quips that she will not rescue him. In the brig, Sawyer threatens to shoot Locke, although ultimately Sawyer begins to lose patience with the prisoner. He removes the hood and is startled to see not Ben but Anthony Cooper. Both are equally confused to see each other, but Cooper explains that he was involved in a car collision, placed into an ambulance, and had an IV put into his arm. He has concluded that they are in hell. He explains that he is Locke's father, that he conned Locke out of the kidney and pushed him out of an eight-story window because he was a nuisance. Suspicious, Sawyer asks the prisoner for his name. Cooper tells him a con man has many names and begins to list his, including Tom Sawyer. He admits to having been to Jasper, Alabama. Sawyer realizes that Cooper is the Sawyer that he has been seeking all his life and the man responsible for his parents' deaths. He orders Cooper to read the letter he wrote as a young boy. If Cooper reads the beginning, then mocks him and tears the letter to pieces. Sawyer, enraged, chokes Cooper to death with his chains. Locke frees Sawyer, and Locke tells him that Juliet is a spy for the others who knows son is pregnant, and they're planning to raid the camp in three days. Locke gives him her tape recorder as proof to present to the others. He tells Sawyer he is not returning with him because he is on his own journey now. Back on the beach, Saeed and Hurley try to fix Naomi's radio. Saeed says the technology is more advanced than he has seen. He fixes it, but the signal is blocked. The noise of static attracts Kate, who is ultimately told, but asks not to tell Jack. Kate goes straight to Jack, who's sitting with Juliet on the beach. Kate tells them about Naomi, and that he wasn't told because no one on the beach trusts him anymore. Jack and Juliet then debate whether or not to tell Kate something. Juliet wants to, but Jack replies, not yet. As the episode ends, Locke throws his sacked father's corpse over his shoulder and heads into the jungle. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. This is a fantastic episode. This is an episode that certainly makes up for any of the sins of season three. It's just, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the type of episode where you can't believe it's as long as some of the other episodes. It has just such energy to it. Uh, wonderful balance between the different storylines. Absolutely just just lost at, it, at its best. And as we're heading into the, the final stretch here of season three, what an absolutely fantastic way to really hook us in for, uh, well, for this, uh, the, the final bit. Anyhow, uh, the previously on Lost recaps the story of Locke. And that, of course, promises for this to be a big episode. The episode proper opens with a slow, slow camera move up to reveal Locke reading something. Now, of course, it's been a number of episodes since we've last seen him. He's lit by fire from below. Ironic, of course, since the devil of the island uh, will take Locke's form before it's all said and done. Also ironic because Anthony Cooper thinks that they are they are in hell. It's certainly... Based on this scene alone, it's it's difficult to argue with that. 
Uh, at that point, we flash back to eight days ago. We know because we're told so on screen, uh, where the magic box door has just been opened. Anthony Cooper is filled with lots of sass. He bites Locke. Uh, at this point, it's a good choice to move the scene along, as there's miles of story to, to, to cover. It certainly was a cliffhanger when last we saw it, but the, the decision now to just quickly get out of that scene and get the story going, I think, is a, is a, a very, very good one. Uh, at this point, Ben hints uh, at, at what that new story is, that they're going to somewhere new, which is old. By the way, this is the temple in its earliest reference. Uh, and Ben says that Locke can say goodbye uh, to, to Kate before they go. And hey, we saw that happen. It's kind of the, the you know, different bits of the episodes filling in. It's uh, the different perspectives coming together. Speaking of Kate, coincidentally or not, uh, the flashback ends to post-Coitus Sawyer with shamefaced Kate preparing to tramp back uh, from Sawyer's tent to her own. Now, can you hate Kate any more than the fact that she won't spend the night down to refusing Sawyer from even walking her home? Can't she ever just settle down? Ah, Kate. Kate, Kate, Kate. Anyhow, Sawyer wanders on out to take a leak, uh, but not before running into Guilty Hurley and Jin. It's nice that they don't overly explain what the two are doing there. Yes, there's a whole Naomi the Parachutist story that needs attending to. But the show wisely lets things keep moving. Uh, there's a quick Hurley joke that they're taking a leak too, which of course they're not. Uh, and Sawyer trots off uh, to the tree line so that he can whistle. Uh, the teaser act wraps up with someone approaching him, and it's Locke. At first, we don't feel particularly shocked. You know, oh, Locke is back in camp. Then I think we start to realize it, especially first-time viewers, uh, repeat viewers, whatever it might be. But certainly on first viewing, we start to realize it. It's Locke. Locke, who we saw in flashback with the con artist. The con artist that we think is the real uh, Mr. Sawyer. The man that Sawyer has been hunting. This is tonight, we realize. The episode is, you know, at this point, really starts to feel quite real. And in fact, I think that it's, it's welcome, uh, welcome pacing, you might say, uh, that at this point the title card appears. We need the title card to let it sink in. Tonight, Sawyer will read the, meet the real Mr. Sawyer, and it's, it's, you know... I think in many ways it's the great tension of the episode. It's the great thing that we're wondering. When is that going to happen? When's the, you know, when's the big showdown going to occur? Anyhow, after the title card, Locke explains that he's still working for our heroes. Sawyer calls him an undercover other. Obviously a bit of a pop culture reference there. Uh, Locke rather, I think, directly and conveniently says that he's kidnapped Ben and has him in the woods, and that Sawyer's to kill him. Uh, Sawyer refuses. There's, you know, dialogue from Locke about how, uh, uh, you know, after all, Ben was the man who, uh, who did all these awful things to you. Um, but Sawyer still refuses, and Locke has the gall to simply walk off. Now, in this case, him walking off, uh, there's kind of a, a reverse shot in which he's walking away, then he's walking toward the camera. There's a brief grin on his face, not meant to be seen by those of us eating dinner while we watch the episode or checking email while watching. 
if you're dedicated to the show, you see that grin. It's part of the plan. And definitely for we, you know, for not we first time viewers, but for the first time viewers out there, the doubt starts to set in. You know, and of course, if it's not your first time seeing it, there's nonetheless that that crafty uh, or well-crafted note to it that, ooh, there he is smiling. Something something is amiss from this this early point on. With that, the flashbacks continue now to three days ago. They're in a temporary camp with Locke helping someone set up a tent. The someone is Cindy, uh, obviously the, uh, the flight attendant, and Taylor. Uh, she looks a bit rugged from other life, but you know, seeing her come back is always a nice bit of casting. Uh, Locke is called to Ben's tent, and he overhears Ben listening to Juliet's medical hatch report, which of course we saw the, the, other, the other end of. Uh, we then get uh, exposition, and uh, all of it is interesting and juicy and actually does not feel like exposition at all. Ben is now able to walk, albeit with a cane. The plan to grab any and all pregnant women is mentioned casually. Ben that explain, then explains that Locke needs to make a gesture to fully be part of the other crew. Specifically, what is that gesture? To kill his father. At least it's a nice, basic, you know, Freudian task, right? The camera at this point cuts to a longer shot of Anthony Cooper tied up against a thick stone column all out in the open. This ends the flashback, but not before we feel that it looks slightly sadistic, kind of keeping a man tied up in broad daylight for all to see. There's something very unsettling. I mean, you think of how the, not that Naomi is the is, is a prisoner, but you think of how, well, even when, when, you know, when Ben was Henry Gale, you think of, you kind of tend not to, um, you tend not to advertise that you have a prisoner, uh, but you know, the others... Well, the others, and as we'll learn from Richard, perhaps Ben specifically, have uh, have some different plans. Uh, the present day story continues with Charlie packing a suitcase of food. He tells Jack it's all about camping and male bonding. And Jack says kindly that yeah, he wouldn't mind an invite next time. Charlie says sure thing, but the look in his face doesn't quite make it ring true. Uh, with that, Charlie turns the corner. And uh, while we don't have a snazzy bit of dialogue, it certainly, I think, you know, I make all these references to exposition. And what happens next certainly is a good uh, demonstration of exposition. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't he check out a wound? Can you give me a word that Jack can be trusted? He spent 10 days with those people and then nothing happened to him. And that woman he's spending all his time with. Juliet. Hi, Juliet. Two weeks ago, she had your friends in cages. Naomi, I mean, you had everything that she said. If we keep her safe, she's our way off this island. So given that, do you trust Jack? Rodonia. So there you go, exposition at its, right. you know, very, very clearest. I mean, they're just spelling every little last thing out. You know, it's... Every bit about Naomi. How do we feel about Jack? How do you feel about this? It's just, you know, it's just for better or for worse. It's what exposition is. It's characters directly explaining things instead of doing them or, or talking about them organically. At any rate, uh, the story moves on to Locke and Sawyer walking through the woods. We see Sawyer's bloody feet, and it's a detail that feels like something we should keep track of, even though it, 
it ultimately isn't uh, something that's used in the episode. Um, the the trivia has some some thoughts on what it might be referring to. Uh, to me, I'm not sure what purpose it serves other than to be cute, as the trivia suggests. But we'll get to that in all good time. Anyhow, Locke shares uh, what he's learned about Sawyer's past, dead parents, murder, suicide, etc. There's really some great acting here out of Josh Holloway. Uh, we know Sawyer's story so well, but it's clearly been a while since uh, the character has reflected on this pain. I'll just add as well, I think it's also uh, exposition that may be there to kind of remind either new viewers or, or, or lazy ones. But uh, with that kind of bit of goading by, uh, by Locke, uh, well, Sawyer hits Locke over the head and demands some answers. Why did you come back to get me? I had to. Why me? Why won't you do it yourself? James, please. Don't call me James. Why won't you do it yourself? Because I can't. I can't. I can't do it. That's why I came back for you. It's nice to see that the conningest guy on the island can still see a con a mile away. Uh, Sawyer still refuses to do the deed, though, and Locke says that once he hears Ben speak, he'll change his mind. And it's this uh, bit of revelation that ends the act. Uh, after the break, Hurley recruits Saeed, who all agree is the most trustworthy of all. I'm glad that they're on my side uh, concerning this. Uh, anyhow, Hurley recruits Saeed to talk to Naomi. And it's just this wonderful example of Saeed being so charismatic. He starts with all smiles and then takes things from there. My name's Saeed Jarrah. I understand your helicopter crashed onto the island. Actually, it crashed in the water. What's your name? Naomi. Naomi Dorrit. Naomi. From where exactly did you take off? A ship. Freighter. About 80 nautical miles west of here. We're part of a search and recovery team. You told my friends the wreckage of Flight 815 was discovered. Did you mean the partial wreckage? No. They found the entire plane off the coast of Bali, in an ocean trench four miles deep. They sent down cameras in these little robots to survey the wreck. The bodies were all there. Well, obviously we're not dead. Obviously. So if you weren't looking for us, then who were you looking for? Him. Desmond? My company was hired by a woman named Penelope Whitmore. I don't know why. I never met her. She gave us a set of coordinates. We've been conducting a differential GPS grid search ever since. You knew about the island? Island? We were given coordinates in the middle of the bloody ocean. We thought it was a fool's errand. Until three days ago. I was flying back for the ship when all of a sudden the clouds cleared and I saw land. The instrument started spinning. I realized I was going down, so I grabbed my shoe and I bailed. I love that Naomi so casually tells the tale. Uh, you know, the words are kind of so uh, inexpensively said for the purposes of the show. You know, it costs nothing to write them down, have the actress uh, tell them or speak them. But this story uh, of this alternate 815 crash and the the little robots that go down with cameras. It's something, of course, that we're going to see uh, in, in the next season. Uh, Saeed, at this point, quickly moves to disprove her story. No copter seen, no crash witnessed, no proof of the freighter. 
think that it's a very, very fair point. I don't know how much we as an audience are suspecting that this is some sort of ruse from the others, uh, which I suppose is the most obvious um, choice, right? Um, however, there is that little asterisk of, hey, wait a minute, there was the real Henry Gale. Uh, and of course, that's that's a thread. Well, that's a very real thread because that's um, you know the, the the Widmore connection to to the real Henry Gale is uh, well is, is the same source as what's brought her to the island, but um, it's just kind of back there, not not even being disturbed enough for us to theorize in that direction. Um, but I think Said questioning all this is an excellent point. Um, the fact that she's wounded and hanging from a tree. Sounds an awful lot like the way they found Ben back in season two. Of course, though, her proof is that satellite phone. Uh, follow the prop is still a game that's being played. Um, that Saeed is silenced. It's an interesting bit as well that the show uh, so easily has us connect the dots over the freighter being Penny's boat. We know, of course, as season two ended with Penny's crew getting the signal, so it seems so logical that this is the result 19 episodes later. We'll obviously learn better soon enough. Uh, with that, the story moves to Locke and Sawyer still walking in the woods. Sawyer gives his aching, uh, rests his aching feet in the water, and the exposition continues. You said Ben would give me a reason to kill. The guy I killed in Sydney wasn't the guy I meant to kill. Who did I mean to kill? <gasps> Let's get moving. What's the point of this scene? They literally stop to talk about things we already know about. It's just a simple fun function to keep that pot on the burner. Anyhow, uh, with that, we flash back to the night of three days ago. Ben wakes up lock four. It's time. Time for what? Cooper's End, which starts with some fatherly love. I know it won't be easy, but the quicker the better. You're kidding me, right? You expect him to kill me? John? The hesitation that you're feeling is just the part of you that still feels like he has a perfectly good explanation for stealing your kidney. Throwing you out of an eight-story window. Don't you want to be free from him? The hesitation he's feeling is because he is a spineless... Shut up! I gotta think. Don't think, John. You're wasting your time, bug guy. Me and him have been through all this. All he wants is his daddy. Shut up! I said shut up! You really haven't figured it out yet, have you? Let go of him, John. Why are you doing this to me? You're doing this to yourself. As long as he's still breathing, you'll still be that same sad, pathetic little man that was kicked off his walkabout tour because you couldn't walk. I'll be here the rest of the week, John, if you change your mind. 
it's an odd addition to the scene that the others slowly make their way out of their tents to watch whether Locke can kill his own evil father. There's also some excellent lighting of Ben. It, it, it almost appears in parts that his eyes are completely black, which, which so suits the scene. Uh, De- ben declares uh, to the group that Locke isn't, quote, who we thought he was, close quote. And we once again, it's an odd feeling for us as viewers. We want Locke, perpetually we want Locke to be the boar hunter, but he really never was, not beyond the, the beginning of Walkabout. He never was this He-Man savior. We want him to take his revenge as well. By TV rules, anyway, killing your father for the many sins of Anthony Cooper is a no-brainer. Instead, the flashback ends with Locke uh, taking his walk of shame past the group, complete with Cindy and the two tail section kids watching him go by. Now, interestingly, this is uh, now the halfway mark of the episode. Uh... I mean, it feels so jam-packed, doesn't it? Um, present day, Locke and Sawyer approach the Black Rock, a location that, of course, has so much meaning as we look back. Richard's prison, Rousseau's landmark, Arts's, uh, you know, the spot of Arts's demise, and so forth. Locke promises Sawyer that Ben is in the brig. Uh, with this, there's a fun little camera move where we're inside the ship, and we look down through the broken deck as Sawyer walks by. Sawyer, by the way, reminds us of the chained bodies, uh, and Locke supposes that this was a slaving ship that brought its human cargo here to mine the island. Wrong. But not bad. Uh, We're also reminded that there's dynamite down here. With that, Sawyer's entered the brig, getting locked in by Locke. Now, at this point, I was at the edge of my seat, uh, whether I'm wearing the first-time viewer hat or or this multiple-viewing perspective. It's Sawyer and the real Mr. Sawyer. That pained letter being read by our mysterious Southern character all the way back in the pilot, it's come to this. We finally have the confrontation, at least the beginning of it. We, of course, have the act break, as you heard. Then Saeed and Hurley fiddle with the satellite phone, uh, which Saeed, uh, Saeed explains nicely gets static on every channel. He knows this after about two channels, so, you know, he's been thorough and all. With that, we move back to Locke, who is sitting nicely while Sawyer bangs on the door. In a very odd little scene, Rousseau shows up, ostensibly for dynamite. It has the feel of guilt from the start of the episode when glowing Sawyer ran into sneaking Hurley and Jin. Uh, again, it's just kind of an odd little little scene. Uh, with that, we flash back to Sawyer at camp. Uh, we see that his hand wound has wound has healed. Uh, this, of course, is the hand wound caused by when he was bit by the father. A hand wound which we first saw back in the episode where he came uh, to say goodbye to Kate. Um, and you know, when, when the episode when that episode first aired, there was the question: Why is his hand uh, uh, bandaged and whatnot? So, really, a nice little. Nice little uh, 
storyline, story arc for the hand wound, if, if, if such a thing can be said. At any rate, uh, so Sawyer's sitting kind of at the edge of camp. He's literally looking down. He's on top of the hill. He's looking down at his father, and he gets a visitor. Beautiful, isn't it? No matter how much time you spend on the island, you just never get tired of this view. That we haven't been formally introduced. I'm Richard. You mind if I join you here? Ah, uh, sure. He wanted to embarrass you. I'm sorry? Ben knew you weren't going to kill your own father. He put you in front of everyone in our camp just so they could all watch you fail. Why? Because when word got back here that there was a man with a broken spine on the plane who could suddenly walk again, well, people here began to get very excited because that, that could only happen to someone who was extremely special. But Ben doesn't want anyone to think you're special, John. And why are you telling me this? Ben has been wasting our time with novelties like fertility problems. We're looking for someone to remind us that we're here for more important reasons. What do you want from me? I want for you to find your purpose. And to do that, your father has to go, John. And since you're not going to do it, I'm going to suggest someone else. Sawyer. Why would Sawyer kill my father? He doesn't even know him. Keep reading. You know, this is the first time that we've seen Richard not being uh, a lackey. Uh, it's the first time where he isn't Ben's right-hand man, the, the helper, the person who, who, it seems, bows down to Ben. This certainly sets up future conversations, uh, and it also explains why Locke went to get Sawyer, Although I think that we were light years ahead on that one. Flashback ends, and uh, Sawyer is still trying to find his way out of the brig. And the show wisely decides to give Anthony Cooper some actual, you know, lines for him to say. He is, of course, such a fantastic actor. Kevin Ty is, uh, as you'll hear, here. My son, as in I'm his father, you do speak English. How did you get here? To the island. Island? <laughs> okay. I'm driving down I-10 through Tallahassee when, bam, somebody slams in the back of my car. I go right into the divider at 70 miles an hour. The next thing I know, the paramedics are strapping me to a gurney, stuffing me in the back of an ambulance, and one of them actually smiles at me as he pops the IV in my arm. And then, nothing. Just black and the next thing i know i wake up in a dark room tied up gag in my mouth and when the door opens i'm looking up at the same man i threw out a window john locke my dead son it's just so astonishing that he he gives these little digs at sawyer just for the hell of it you know they're both trapped in the brig but you know why not insult the man you're with while you're at it um, 
there's also too this the, you know one of the, the smaller stories at play here is that the show is bringing together the two main stories uh at least some some overarching stories that of uh, Naomi and Cooper uh and you know there's an opportunity for Cooper to continue as we really start to suddenly feel a little little boxed in by a particular notion. You sure it's an island? Well, what else is it? A little hot for heaven, isn't it? Oh, okay. So we're dead. They found your plane on the bottom of the ocean. One minute I'm in a car wreck and the next minute I'm in a pirate ship in the middle of the jungle. If this isn't hell, friend, then where are we? Why did you throw Locke out a window? He was becoming a nuisance. You know, I don't think that we ever really bite at the notion that they're dead. If for no other reason than the fact that Penny and her Argentinian snow friends uh, did see the swan hatch explosion uh, at the end of season two. If anything, though, you know, I think that this is an example of a bit of a literary trick. They're kind of trying to, at least in the overall uh, uh, notion of the series, with the with the idea that we can look at the series as a whole, um, irregardless of what may or may not have been intended as they made the series. Uh, I, I think this is a bit of literary fatigue going on, and I mean that in a good way. In the first season, we wondered if they were dead, and we were wrong. In the third season, characters wonder if they're dead, and they're wrong. When we get to the sixth season, they're dead. Simple as that. They're they're dead. They're dead the entire time of uh, of those flash sideways in season six. But anyhow, enough pondering of the future. Back to Cooper. He isn't done. Although, of course, he soon will be. Con. Yes, sir. Con. What's your name? Hmm? Your name? The con man goes by many names, friend. I've been Alan Seward, Anthony Cooper, Ted McLaren, Tom Sawyer, Lewis Jackson, Paul. Tom Sawyer. I was young and Huck Finn was taken. <laughs> and the ladies loved that one. Made me charming. How about what? So here's my name, too. That's a hell of a way to end the act. Uh, and to the show's great benefit, they're drawing it out a bit. We've had our suspicions for a number of episodes, particularly since Cooper appeared in the magic box, that their paths would cross, those of Cooper and Sawyer. And they did. Now Sawyer knows... And it's only a matter of time. But knowing tension, Lindelof and Cues, who wrote the episode, return after the break uh, with flashback lock at Camp Otherston. Everyone is breaking the camp down, but not all are invited. You are going to stay behind. You both are going to stay behind. What? You're not taking him? He's your mess, John. Why would we clean it up? And if you're trying to put me in my place or embarrass me... Where would you get a ridiculous idea like that? Well, you can't leave me. 
After everything, Don't you can't tell just... me what I can't do, John. But I thought I was special. Well, everyone makes mistakes. We're leaving now. We'll leave a trail, one you can track. And John? Unless you're carrying your father's body on your back? Don't bother. It's such a jam-packed moment. Ben wondering about uh, Locke's little game, uh, being told what he can't do, Giacchino's wonderful music, the small, uh, lonely notes as Locke once again is kicked out of the cool kids' club. At this point, the flashback ends, and we're in the brig. It's clear now. Despite Richard's uh, behind-the-back power play, Sawyer is here because he can do the dirty work that Locke still cannot. Locke is a coward, profoundly so. Uh, he looks uh, he looks it in the moment of silent contemplation that starts the scene. Uh, and then we're back in that room where, the, where, where Sawyer and Cooper are locked, and the moment has come to go to Alabama as Anthony Cooper begins to melt. What's the matter with you? You ever been to Jasper, Alabama? Why? Have you or haven't you? Yeah, I've been to Jasper. Don't tell me I'm your daddy. No. You killed my daddy. As Sawyer takes out the letter, the letter, we're rewarded uh, for all our 68 episodes of viewing while Giacchino's music starts to haunt us. Mr. Sawyer. What is this? Just read it. You don't know who I am, but I know who you are. And I know what you've done. You had sex with my mother, and then you stole my dad's money all the way. So he got angry and he killed my mother. And then he killed himself. Blah, 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 blah. So what? Is this supposed to be you? You wrote this letter? Hey, wait a second. Did you take my name because you were on some kind of revenge kick? Keep breathing. Easy, easy. <laughs> Don't get all worked up. Look. I ran that con two dozen times. If your mother was one of the... Mary. Her name was Mary. Mary from Jasper, Alabama. Yeah, I remember her. She practically begged me to take her $38,000 and to rescue her from her sorry little life. Finish the letter. Look, I only took her money. It ain't my fault your dad overreacted. If he pulled the old murder-suicide, then I'm sure he's down here somewhere. Uh, maybe you could take this up with him? Finish it! Okay. 
what we wanted and it really doesn't feel like murder at all it's kind of catharsis certainly for Sawyer if not us uh, Locke enters looking grim and thanks Sawyer but for what for giving him a chip on which he can get back with the cool kids for freeing him as well and also let's not forget the irony Locke will die the same way The exact same way, something around his neck and choked to death as part of Ben's machinations. It's like father, like son. And with that, the act ends. We return with Juliet and Jack canoodling at lunch, off to the side. Kate confronts Jack, finally spilling the beans that no one, none of Jack's friends, want to tell him that there's an alleged rescuer recuperating in Hurley's tent. It feels a bit necessary, uh, Kate explaining it all, uh, or perhaps it feels a bit unnecessary as well, but with Juliet's steely, almost knowing looks, the scene takes a twist. We should tell her. No. Tell me what? We should tell her. Not yet. Ah, mystery. Ah, foreshadowing for future episodes and future plans. The story returns to outside the Black Rock, where Sawyer is uh, sick to his stomach from guilt or shock or both. See, he's a good guy. He regrets killing. Uh, With that, Locke drops the bombshell. He knows that Juliet is a mole, and there's going to be a raid on the camp in three days. It definitely is feeling like the very last lap of the season here. Uh, Sawyer, with that, walks back to camp, and Locke collects his things including the body of his father, the lug back to Ben and company. It feels like a weight, not just physically either. Uh, It's his lie of manliness, his lie to be the walkabout hero, his lie that he belongs on this island. And that's how they end the episode. It it feels a bit mid-story, but of course it's the case. It's it's the last uh, couple of episodes here for the season, so... Uh, you know, if it feels mid-scene, it's because we're we're being tugged towards the uh, the fantastic, sad, wonderful, epic end of season three. <laughs> Profoundly so with that with that final episode. But uh, with that, let's get to some of the uh, bits from Lostpedia, bits and pieces from Lostpedia. Uh, they mentioned just for the uh, the sake of being official, Locke's hand was injured and wrapped and left behind uh, because his father bit him in this episode's first flashback. Uh, moving on, Lostpedia says that Locke suggests the Black Rock is a mid-19th century ship. This is consistent to what was revealed in the Lost Experience about the Black, Black Rock illegally transporting slaves and having disappeared in 1881. It's also consistent with the facts, uh, that the aboli- uh, that the facts concerning the abolition of slavery in the UK uh, occurred in 1807. The dynamite was invented in 1866. And then, of course, it is confirmed in Abbey Turno to have crashed on the island in 1867. Uh, also, uh, Lostpedia says that Richard formally introduces himself to Locke in this episode. But we later learn that chronologically, 
Richard has met Locke 50 years earlier and has visited Locke multiple times since then. Things that we, of course, see in Jughead and Cabin Fever. A couple of last little bits here. Here's the bit perhaps explaining why Sawyer is uh, barefoot. Although, again, I think if this is the reason why that I'm about to read, it's a bit weak. But Sawyer leaves with Locke, says Lospedia, without putting on his shoes, most likely an homage to the fictional character, Tom Sawyer, who was almost always barefoot. They also say one of the best-known episodes from The Adventures of Tom Sawyer is a scene where Tom tricks the other kids into doing his work for him, painting a fence. Appropriately in this episode, Locke is the one playing the same kind of trick on Sawyer. Obviously a bit more of a dastardly, dastardly deed there. Last bit from Lostpedia. Jack and Juliet are shown to be withholding information from Kate. This foreshadows the reveal that Jack has a plan to counter the other's attack in the next episode. So with that, that certainly wraps up this episode. A fantastic episode. I mean, the end of the Anthony Cooper uh, storyline, further intrigue with Locke's specialness or not. Um, it just has such great momentum. Uh, this feels like the farthest that it could possibly be from even the, the grim fun of the Nikki and Paolo death. Uh, the rather wander well not wandering to rather direct and uh shallow fast moving but shallow uh, episode of uh what back in uh, i don't remember the title but you know when echo is in the bear cave the you know, rescuing echo it's just uh my goodness this is this is lost firing on all cylinders and and some extra ones as well and of course it will continue next week with episode 320 titled the man behind the curtain uh, where, I mean, my goodness, we, we get some things in that episode that will, uh, you know, will, will propel us only further and references and snippets uh, of, of Great Jacob, of course. But that's something for us to look forward to next week, uh, as well as my special announcement. If you'd like to share feedback, say hello to me on Twitter. That's the best way to do it, Looking Back Lost. Uh, you can call the listener line, 732-707-1815. Send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So thank you one and all for listening. This was this was a particularly thrilling episode to watch, to talk about, and uh, can't wait to uh, turn around and watch the next one, which will probably occur tonight or tomorrow for me because I want to start really cranking these out as we get into summer. And uh, certainly it's a great time to do it. The, the malaise of season three is definitely behind us. We are in high gear here. And uh, I'll talk to you all again next week for 320, The Man Behind the Curtain. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye. <laughs>